Hey, this is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast with Evan Mark Katz. This is a place that you're going to learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And today we've got a really juicy topic that's bound to be provocative. Um, we'll get into it in a second, but first I'm going to start with a quote. It's by a guy named John Bowlby, who's been an attributed with creating attachment theory. Um, I'm not a social scientist, but uh, we've talked a little bit about attachment theory, childhood attachment theory that overlays itself onto uh, adult relationships. You could be secure, uh, secure, anxious, or uh, avoidant. So he says, you're only as needy as your unmet needs. Now, I would think that would be a very affirming statement. It would say that if you are feeling needy, there's someone who's not helping you get your needs met, right? And that's something to call attention to. If you're feeling needy at any given point in time, that could be attributed to someone else's failure to deliver on your needs. There's a problem with that, though, and that assumes that everybody's needs are reasonable and equal, right? We could theoretically say that anybody who needs anything is always right, and by nature, that, that can't be right. To me, there is a sweet spot between having needs and being needy. And we need to talk about that. That's really what we're going to explore in today's podcast. Guy wants to have sex with you every day, and that's his need. Is it reasonable if you refuse to have sex with him every single day? Does that mean that you are unreasonable because he has the need to have sex with you every day? Um, there's a guy who says, I need to go out with my friends. I want to go out with my friends five nights a week. Those are my needs. Right? So if you say that's not really cool, are you the needy one for wanting him around more than one or two nights a week? Is the guy who makes less money than you, right? who is insecure that you do better than him, and he insists that you quit your job because he feels emasculated by your success. He's needy. right? He needs to be the dominant one. Are his needs reasonable? Right. So usually when we have needs, we think they're reasonable. But when you look at it through another lens, you see that just because someone has needs or has de desires doesn't mean they're a bad person. But not all needs are created equal. And sometimes when you have too many needs, an exorbitant amount of needs, you become the needy person. It's very hard to be in a relationship with the needy person. So today I'm going to tell you the story of two women in my Love You coaching program. Um, they found nice men. These nice men treated them well. And they've had different experiences with the concept of need versus needed. Um, by the time we're done with this, you're going to know the difference between what needs are reasonable, what needs are unreasonable, and finding the sweet spot that's going to allow you to be in successful, intimate relationships. Uh, I'll tell you about that in the second half. The first story I want to tell is of, I always mess these things up because I make up names. We're going to call them Jenny and Marcus. Uh, Marcus was a departure from anybody Jenny had dated in the past. She is a, is a bright, successful, sort of type A woman. She's used to uh, type A men. That's what she's attracted to. She's strong. She's attracted to strength. She's opinionated. She likes men with strong opinions. Um, and she finally found, through my Love You coaching, a nice guy, a nice guy who really 
put her up on a pedestal, treated her well, adored the hell out of her, made her life good. And she saw him for, I think, six months. Um, he didn't make as much money. He wasn't as dominant. Um, but he was, he, was, he, was a, he was a good guy at heart, and it was a good relationship. The problem was he was an insecure beta male. He couldn't quite handle her success. And she, to her, to her, by her own admission, is a little bit clueless and masculine, wasn't always a- able to soften her rough edges and make him feel as important as he needed to feel. Right. Again, he, she was more a prototypical guy in that regard. Uh, she's giving a speech somewhere, uh, accepting an award, and he, she invites him along for the trip because she wants him there and wants to celebrate with him, and she gives this whole big speech, and this is almost like a cliche. We see this with the Oscars. She gives the whole big speech, and she forgets to thank him, and he wigs out, just completely loses his shit on her, right? because she didn't acknowledge him in her speech when she was the center of attention. And she had a million things going on. She's, she's the primary breadwinner uh, in her family. Um, she's, she's got two kids. I mean, she's got a lot of obligations. And it's not that she didn't love him. It's just she blanked. She forgot. And this guy had a litany of complaints about how she neglected him, how she hurt him, how she, neg- you know, how, how she emasculated him. This guy had been keeping score for six months about all of her errors. He was, as uh, Dr. Robert Glover says, Dr. Robert, Robert Glover wrote a great book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Talks about how being nice is a bit of a pathology. You know, uh, nice guys want to nice their way into women's hearts, and you need to be more than nice in order to be a good partner. So he was a nice guy on the surface, but he had this hidden temper and this deep-seated resentment towards her for being more successful. And she couldn't fulfill all of his needs. He was the needy guy. So when Jenny tried to reconcile, and she owned her piece of it, right? She admitted the things that she did, that she was sometimes too busy, and she was pulled in some different directions, and she wasn't always able to clean the house, and she wasn't always able to approach. She, she did her piece to own it. Didn't matter. He just lashed out, right? And when you're the anxious person lashing out, that's called protest behavior, right? You're trying to provoke a reaction in the other person. Because you're feeling so insecure, you lash out. And he made her feel really, really guilty, he wouldn't, he wouldn't make peace. She was trying to make peace to preserve her six-month re- relationship. And through whatever machinations, through the coaching she got, through the Love You community and myself, um, Jenny dumped Marcus, her nicest boyfriend ever, um, because he was so needy that nothing she ever did would be good enough. Um, here's what I wrote to her uh, about this incident. As much as I sympathize with anxious people, it is tiring to date them. Little incidents are writ large. You constantly have to apologize. It's like a reverse sort of gaslighting. Your anxious partner makes you feel like you're a terrible person, even though you're not, and you begin to question yourself. And so, briefly, I had a story like this, not with, uh, not, wasn't dating a needy guy. I was dating a, a woman, a very beautiful woman in the early 2000s. We were three months into the relationship and we, she, we were going to a friend's wedding and she wanted to choose the perfect wedding dress. She was very vain. So she wanted to choose the perfect wedding dress. It was on a Sunday, so she couldn't do black. Red was too flashy. White would upstage the bride. She's really obsessing about this wedding dress. She chooses a wedding dress 
and it's lavender silk. She looks great. We're the last people to walk into the wedding. Uh, we go to the back of the room, and uh, to her horror, as we walk into the back of the room, she's dressed just like the bridesmaids. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I stifled a laugh because it was funny. She worked so hard to choose this dress, and sure enough, she just she looked like she was part of the wedding party. She got so upset that I laughed. I mean, what, what were we going to do? I mean, but evidently I was too insensitive. Uh, and I'll, I'll own that if you feel that I was too insensitive. But her reaction to my insensitivity was that she started to cry and she stormed out of the wedding. And this is a, a, a destination wedding. We don't know anybody. <laughs> she stormed out of the wedding, went back to the hotel room, and I had to leave the wedding and spend three hours cajoling her in her room. This is what I mean about having needs that are greater than most people can deliver. It's not that she's wrong, no more than uh, uh, Marcus was wrong for wanting per perhaps a more sensitive partner. But at the end of the day, if your sensitivities hijack the relationship so much, it's almost impossible to have a peaceful relationship with you. Um, and this woman, this wasn't an isolated incident. She, she, she abandoned me at uh, restaurants. She abandoned me at holiday parties. And it was always the same thing. I would say something wrong that I didn't know was that wrong. She would storm out. I would have to chase her. And that was a level of protest behavior and neediness that uh, ultimately, no matter how attracted to her, uh, what a good person she was inside, I, I wasn't able to, to handle. Reasonable people in a couple can agree to disagree. We could just, we, we may not be on the same page, but we could just say, hey, you know, what works for you doesn't always work for me. We'll, we'll work around it. It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be an I win, you lose. If I want to watch the Jets play on Sunday, um, my wife is smart to say, it's okay. Enjoy your football for three hours. If I say, I need to watch football on Thursday night, Saturday day, Sunday day, Monday night, right, making myself unavailable to my wife and kids, now I'm being unreasonable. And I think reasonable people could look at these situations and come to similar conclusions. Right? You have to be able to have needs that work with another human being. It can't just be all about your needs. The problem with needy people is that they don't always see the difference. They literally see a guy goes out one night with his friends as evidence that he doesn't really love me. Everything's a big deal. Everything's a potential cause for a fight. So when we come back, I'm going to tell you how to find that sweet spot between having needs and being needy so that you can help create the healthy relationship that you deserve, the one that lasts. My name is Evan Marcass. This is Love You Podcast. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Love You Podcast with Evan Mark Katz, where we're going to be talking about dating, relationships, men, sex, and all that other good stuff from a man's point of view. Today, we are talking about the difference between having needs and being needy. And I want to begin the second half of this podcast with a story about Diana and Jacob. Um, Diana's a Love You graduate, a favorite of mine. She's a professional in her 50s. Um, uh, very warm, family-oriented, but a severe anxious attachment style. Right? And again, I hate to, to sound so psychological in something that we're, we're that you know it's just the Love You podcast. But the anxious attachment style, once again, is that she makes a big deal over little things. She she craves intimacy, and any hint that the relationship isn't going well causes her to kind of blow up inside. 
He's dating a great guy uh, by her own admission. His name is Jacob. He's a divorced dad. He's, uh, he's got teenagers. He's got a, a difficult ex-wife. He's got a lot of other uh, civic obligations. And so no one has any doubt that Jacob's a good guy. The only thing that's in doubt is whether he can give enough to Diana to make her feel safe and happy. Between his work and shuttling his kids back and forth and dealing with his ex-wife, he doesn't have time to talk on the phone for an hour every day. He doesn't have time to get together as often as she would like. Every few weeks in my Love You community, she posts how frustrated she is with Jacob and is thinking of breaking up, whether this relationship is enough for her. So Jacob comes home from dinner at 9.30 from work, and he doesn't call Diana until 10.30. That's a problem. He was gone on business for a week, and he waited a full day after he came home to make plans. That's a problem. I texted him last night, uh, and it's lunchtime the next day. He hasn't responded yet. That's a problem. Each of these things in and of themselves is objectively, in a secure relationship, no big deal. He gets home from work, he just wants to, to kick off his, his shoes and relax and zone out and watch TV or open the mail or whatever it is. But the fact that he didn't call her as soon as he got home is the kind of thing that drives Diana crazy to the point where she second guesses him, second guesses the relationship. Now, when, are they, when they're together, uh, Diana's happy, right? The second they're apart, though, she's convinced everything is falling to pieces. And my advice to her for the duration of her relationship, again, now over a six-month relationship, is he's a good man. He's doing the best that he can. He's giving you the most he can give. This is the relationship he wants to have. And if you're not satisfied, then go find a different man. And I'm, I'm not judging. I'm not saying whether her needs are reasonable or not. All I'm saying from an objective third-party point of view is, this is what he's capable of, right? And, you know, my, my theory is it, it, you can't have a relationship dependent upon someone changing on your behalf. So if this is, if he's a good man, this is the best he could give, he loves you and he can't give any more, then if you can't accept it, you should probably just find a boyfriend who has more time and has fewer obligations. And, but she keeps on waiting for something to change. So every three weeks or so, she has some sort of freak out and it's another version of the same situation. He didn't fulfill my needs, right? You know, he, I texted him, he didn't text me back quickly enough, I didn't like the tone of his text, right? And the problem is this Jacob guy, he can't change. He's still gonna have teenagers, he's still gonna have ex, ex-wife, he's still gonna have a job, he can't drop all of these things for her. So there's nothing wrong with Diana in as much as, of course, it's reasonable to expect uh, uh, quality time, intimate time with your partner. But, you, you know, it's sort of the laws of physics. If his, if his time is occupied and he has these obligations that go beyond him, he's doing the best he can. He does love her. He wants to see her. He talks about a future. He wants no one else. But no matter what he does, it's not good enough. So... We're at an impasse. Diana thinks her requests are always reasonable. Her needs are reasonable. Right? And that he, if he loved her, if Jacob loved her, he would do everything her way when she wanted to. So I always try to avoid the, the terms right and wrong. I always use the terms effective versus ineffective. I don't think Diana's behavior is effective. It's not helping her get what she wants. She thinks she's being authentic. Right? I'm not bottling it up. I'm not a doormat. I'm speaking my mind. But to a man, she's being anxious and needy, right? It hasn't occurred to her, or it has, or she can't process, that her need to be constantly on her man's mind, 
is somewhat unrealistic when you're dealing with a busy adult man in his mid-50s with a lot of stuff going on. So let's talk about that sweet spot that I, that I alluded to in the first half of this podcast. I call it being vulnerable. Vulnerable is kind of a loaded word. People don't always know what it means. So here, I'm going to give you a a, a good working definition. Vulnerability, the self-esteem to be authentic, the courage to be imperfect, the willingness to give your all to a relationship where there are no guarantees. Contrast that with needy, requiring attention and validation beyond what is normal to expect from a significant other. So we talked in the first half how Marcus is needy. Ginny couldn't build up his self-esteem. He was too insecure around her success, so there's nothing she can do to assuage his insecurity. And she was right to move on from him. Um, Marcus, the needy guy, might not feel that way, but it's sort of irrelevant. right? For her, she needs a guy who could accept her as she is. If someone else's needs are dominating, you never really get to receive. You're always in the position of giving. And that's where vulnerability comes in. I look at my relationship with my wife. Uh, I have needs, um, but I'm not, I don't think I could ever be called needy. Um, I don't play games. I don't keep thoughts to myself. I don't feel like a a doormat. I I trust my wife. I, I appreciate what she does give me. And if I ever feel, or if either of us ever feels that something's gone out of balance, we just have a conversation about it. Oh, honey, did you, did you realize we haven't had sex for a week? We should do something about that. Or you go out with your mommy girlfriends all the time and have drinks. I, I, I got I to gotta carve out some time to, to hang out with some of my guy friends. Right? It's just a discussion about what our needs are, but it's not that the other person is oppressing our needs. It's that something's out of whack. You get, you get attuned to what it is. You discuss it with your partner because you're a teen. And so there's no attacks. No one's making anybody wrong. And as a result, there's not really fighting. I mean, I I always talk about it's not finger pointing, you did this, it's problem solving. There's either a problem that I feel within myself or there's a problem within our relationship. What are we going to do to fix it? What's what's a mutually agreeable solution? If I rarely come across uh, as needy, either to you or to her, it's because I'm secure enough to know that my wife loves me despite my flaws. And that's what uh, this, you know, these, these, people in question, um, uh, uh, Marcus in the first half and Diana in the second half, they don't seem to get that their partners really, really do love them and they're doing the best that they can and they're good people, that the underlying foundation of the relationship should never be in question. Because right? if you are questioning it, you're, you're, you're stirring up a pot that doesn't need to be stirred. So I have insecurities, I don't dwell on them. I have needs, but it's not my wife's job to fix them. And I could speak my mind, but I don't spend too much time complaining about my wife because that would sort of be a drag. And both of the the needy people that I've talked about in this podcast were constantly complaining that their partners weren't attentive enough. They weren't good enough. They didn't bolster their ego enough. And it's hard to be in a relationship when you're doing the best you can and you're constantly told you're failing. Right? That's anathema to what a relationship is. It's really supposed to be about being supportive. And I'm telling you, I think women really, really often underestimate how much your guy wants to make you happy. It's tough being a boyfriend, feeling like a good guy, and being told that you're constantly falling short. Right? Now, again, maybe the constructive, the, the, the constructive criticism is valid. I'm not one to say. I could tell you as a guy who's, who's really tried to be a really good boyfriend, not a perfect boyfriend, I'm, I'm a human being, But when you're doing the best you can and your girlfriend's always dissatisfied, 
that's 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 not a relationship that's uh, uh, tenable in the long term. When you find a good guy who loves you and a guy who treats you well, you can relax. You can breathe easy. You can trust that even if you don't agree on everything, the foundation of your relationship is strong and immutable. Nothing's, nothing can change it. Disagreements don't shake the foundation. Right? So they're just de- disagreements to work around. They're not problems to rethink the in- nature of the relationship. Jim, we need to talk. No, it's just a... It's just a negotiating point. It's a data point. It doesn't matter one year from now. Right? But if you continually question your partner's commitment, just because he has a different point of view, right, you're going to shake the foundation of your relationship. You're going to make him want to find someone where the relationship is easy. Right? So you can be vulnerable. You could have needs. Right? You could show him how to fulfill your needs. But if you have a good guy who's doing the best he can, he can't do any better than his best. And ultimately, you might have to find another guy if your guy can't deliver that for you. So I love this topic. I love hearing your questions. I want to thank you for joining me on the latest Love You podcast. My name is Evan Marquez. The next episode, I'm going to talk about bad dating advice that people think is good. Juicy, juicy, juicy. Um, I hate to be critical of other people, but this I feel too strongly about to keep to myself. So if you like this podcast, please click the subscribe button, follow me on Facebook and Twitter, and go to www.evanmarkkatz.com. Give me your name and email address, and I will send you free dating advice forever. Talk to you soon. Bye.